the importance of digital experiences, almost 50% of those employees are millennials and Gen Z. So it's very important that we have really good digital experience, whether it is corporate employees or field employees. Welcome to Techtivation. I'm your host, Peter Hyde. Our broadcast today comes from the most recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium. And the topic was optimizing the digital employee experience. The panelists who covered the topic were Munir Hafez, the Chief Information Officer of TransUnion, and Muru Murugapan, the Chief Information Officer of BNSF Railway. The gentleman who led that conversation was MetaStrategy Co-Head of Executive Networks Research and Media, Stephen Norton. I hope you enjoy the conversation. The topic of today's panel is really around optimizing the digital employee experience. And you know, regardless of the technology environment and whatever era we're in, whether it's uh, AI, generative AI, what have you, um, the need for talent is a constant in the continued performance of organizations at large in the digital era. Um, and, and so we really want to think about the ways in which this technology can be leveraged to improve the digital employee experience and figure out how to really optimize it uh, in a way that allows us to attract and retain talent. And so today to talk about optimizing that experience, I've got two great speakers joining us. Uh, first, I'd love to introduce Munir Hafez. He's the Chief Information Officer at TransUnion. It's a $3.7 billion company that has been in the business of enabling trust for over 50 years as a credit agency. Um, he's joined today by Muru Murugapan, Chief Information Officer at BNSF Railway. Uh, it's the operator of one of the largest freight railroad networks in North America with 32,500 miles of rail across the West two-thirds of the U.S. and revenues in excess of $20 billion. Uh, Munir, Muru, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for having us. Of course. Uh, Munir, I thought we'd start with you. It, it seems that in so many cases, organizations want to channel digital investments towards products, services, and experiences that lead to revenue generation, which makes sense, but uh, would love to talk about the case for digital employee experience. Can you start by sharing a couple thoughts on the value of investing in that experience and, and talk a bit about how you think about making the business case at TransUnion? Sure. So at TransUnion, we have sort of a, a dual-pronged approach when it comes to the digital experience in general with an omni-channel strategy for our customers and consumers globally. This aligns very closely with it and uses some of the same technology as our digital experience, but they are distinct with different capabilities and goals. How we've defined the digital employee ex experience as a reflection of how our employees interact with our digital capabilities. And our goal was to create a consumer-grade experience that enables employees to be engaged and productive in an environment that is integrated, modern, frictionless, and connected anywhere. So when we talk about the business case, we kind of fall into two key areas. One is around studies, Deloitte, EY, and, and many other studies that have been published that show that companies that focus on the digital employee experience perform better in the market with metrics like four times higher average profits, two times higher average revenue. Uh, as we talk about talent, 40% reduction in turnover uh, and 11 and a half times more likely to be included in best, place, uh, best places to work. So that's, that's one of the key elements. Um, but specifically at TransUnion, we also tied it to enabling the corporate strategy in two key areas. One is around innovation in our product suite and speed to market, which requires us to empower our developers. TransUnion has over 6,000 developers, so the technology cap capabilities that we provide 
unlocks the potential of all of that talent. So a simple example might be a higher spec machine that can build, cut build time by 80% or enabling to be more productive with uh, GitHub Copilot as we talk about generative AI uh, earlier. The other area from a business case perspective is really around enabling a hybrid work environment. We're in over 30 countries on five continents. So enabling the collaboration and co-editing uh, between our employees across the globe is key. So if people are in the office and remote and they can't see the same whiteboard, um, that is real friction that uh, it, it stands in the way of the hybrid uh, first work environment that, that uh, TransUnion wants to support. So those are some of the key areas that we leverage from a corporate strategy to piggyback off of, uh, to, to um, help put the business case together to invest in the digital employee experience. I love that. I love that you you have people at the foundation of that corporate strategy and then are able to tie it so seamlessly to the products and services that you're delivering and show some real ROI from that on a number of fronts. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Muru, turning to you, when it comes to the employee experience, people often refer to enhancing the experience from hire to retire, um, and it's often labeled as an HR exercise. When, when we spoke before, you'd mentioned that there are so many things that are part of BNSF's digital transformation that are a little more operational in nature, a little less HR, that are enhancing the employee experience. Could you tell us a little bit about the overall digital transformation philosophy at BNSF and how it's leading to digital experiences that are, that are better for employees? Uh, absolutely. First, uh, Stephen, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here and talking to the leaders in the industry. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, that said, I want to start by saying uh, we're a huge company with almost 37,000 employees. The importance of digital experiences, almost 50% of those employees are millennials and Gen Z. So it's very important that we have really good digital experience, whether it is corporate employees or field employees. So starting with that, now talking about, it's easy to scope the digital experience for employees and narrow that down to HR systems. Uh, I feel like we onboard an employee for the first 30 days, and of course their first exposure is to the HR systems and we have to have good experience for them there. But for the next 30 years, it's about operations. So we have to have really good systems and operations for them to uh, be able to be effective and also for the company to be effective, right? So to that point, I'll just touch upon a couple of examples within BNSF where digital transformation has provided great digital experience and it is beneficial both for the employee as well as for the company. Uh, so the first one is paperless train operations. Of course, to start a train, the locomotive engineer and the conductor have to have a lot of paperwork uh, what we call general track bulletins to train sheets to a lot of other information. And we transition all of that. And that's the easy example that we can give. All of that is now an iPad, right? So um, uh, the change happened during COVID. Timeframe adoption was great. Uh, and we were able to get the regulators to approve this transition as well. So uh, that's paperless train operations to start with. Mm -hmm. Now, as one, it's great experience, but two, it's real time and things change. We can inform them of those changes. And so uh, from all aspects, it's better to have that. And once they complete the work, the work reporting happens digitally. So we have better quality data, better timely data, 
and it's very easy for them to report all those things as well. That's one example, right? The other one is, like you said, we have 32,000 miles of track and inspectors are out in the field inspecting all of those tracks. Uh, so to have mobile uh, application to Mooners Point, we want to have systems that are available and accessible at all times from wherever they are. So to have mobile applications available to them in the field locations so that the inspection data is captured and reported to us timely and accurately uh, has tremendously helped us, right? Thank so you. I'll stop there and... Yeah, those are two two great examples, and I appreciate how you really underscored the importance of something that we've already talked about today, and certainly will continue to talk about, which is the need for more accurate and timely data as we think about the transformation of our organizations. I did have one quick follow up for you, Maru. Um, you'd mentioned, I believe, how some of these efforts have improved safety at the organization. Can you talk a little bit about that within within the context of some of these use cases? Yeah. Uh, when we talk about digital experience and digital transformation, some are things that employees see and some are uh, things that employees uh, get to enjoy, but they may not see or interact with. One of the key things that I want to highlight is we have lots of detectors across our network that's looking at the health of the track as well as the health of anything that's moving, locomotives or cars. So when those detector data tell us something, we create alarms. And depending on the severity of the alarm, we communicate that to the employees, right? So with the digital transformation that we have had and the improvements that we have had in technology, we are able to process millions of sensor data and then communicate that real time if needed to the locomotive crew. Uh, so that's the safety improvement that we are able to achieve. Excellent, thank you. Uh, Munir, turning it back to you, often infrastructure and ops leaders can struggle to improve the digital employee experience. And I, I wanna touch on a case study that TransUnion was featured in recently with Gartner around developing a, a human-centric and principles-based employee experience strategy. Could you talk a bit about the, the meaning of human centricity in the context of employee experience and talk a little bit about the, the major principles that have guided the strategy for you? Sure, of course. So from a human-centric design is really a process and a way of thinking about the needs, wants, and expectations of end users um, being permeated in every step of the process as a design process, as opposed to just in the requirement stage or in UAT. Um, when we went through this process, we didn't just rely on what our employees were telling us. Um, we wanted to look at the art of the possible. So there's a there's a favorite quote that um, from Henry Ford: If I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. <laughs> so we we really wanted to make sure that we looked kind of from three different angles. One is inside out, sort of qualitative. So we created an advisory board uh, with employees across different levels, different role types, different countries to help give us that feedback to come up with those principles. Um, we used inside out quantitative. So we did uh, developer surveys, we did employee surveys, um, and then we did an outside in of industry research and best practices of where the industry is headed in this space so that we can come up with sort of that holistic picture. So the, the, the principles that kind of led us to um, are probably going to be fairly self-evident, and that's really the point, is that the, it's pretty obvious, going from manual processes to automated, 
going from a one-size-fits-all to a persona-based experience, going from inefficient processes to seamless, from things that are frustrating to intuitive uh, design, fragmented to elegant, and constrained to flexible approaches, whether that's in terms of uh, connectivity or you know, where you may work. So those, those six principles really led us to kind of come up with four major themes in terms of improvements in the organization. Um, one is around creating tech equity, regardless of the location of the team. Now, whether that is mobile access or whether that is collaboration in an office with somebody that's remote, um, establishing policies and governance. So this is all about how do we allow the usage of new tools and innovation in an environment that is hyper-focused on cybersecurity. Um, the third one is around providing the latest technologies, uh, starting with our development community. We have about 18,000 employees and about a third of those are developers. So whether it's updated hardware or software, better ways for them to experiment. And then the last one is around integration and how we integrate new acquisitions. Uh, TransUnion is a prolific acquirer. We've done 10 acquisitions. Uh, 25 acquisitions in the last 10 years, uh, just to get that stat right. Um, so how we integrate new employees in the company is, is a real challenge and how do we make that easier? So um, just to give, kind of give you a sense of what is human-centric design, kind of looking at that at every step of the way and being uh, fanatical about that experience. And then the print, the how we got to the issues by using the advisory board, using uh, external advisors, coming up with six principles, like doing persona-based uh, experiences. And then that led us to the four themes that I just mentioned. Excellent. I appreciate too how it's not just having people as kind of an add-on to something like M&A integrations, but really making sure it's built into the core of that strategy from the start. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, before we move to the next question, Addison, would you mind pulling up the latest poll? This question was uh, looking at uh, the macroeconomic trends looking to, ahead to 2024. Mm -hmm. It looks like for the majority of folks, interest rates, inflation, and the impact on growth is going to continue to be a major focus area, um, but not far behind the rapid evolution of AI. Certainly lots of changes uh, coming down the pipeline soon, um, and, and definitely a need for organizations across industries to be able to move very quickly and adapt to some of those changes. Thanks very much, Addison. Um, Muru, I, turning it back to you, and, and again, touching on AI a bit, one of the areas where we, we often hear about the promise for a lot of the new tools here uh, is around employee productivity and the impact that it might have on developers, but also many others across the organization. Uh, curious, as you look across the employee experience at BNSF, what are some of the domains that where you see compelling opportunities for AI to improve that experience? And how do you think about experimenting with some of that to, to figure out what's really gonna deliver the most ROI? Uh, good question. Uh, so to start with, of course, like everyone has talked about, uh, there are going to be tools available to every corporate employee, every employee uh, like Microsoft Copilot. Uh, so those are going to improve productivity uh, at a, on the surface, right? So the second level is, of course, uh, for developers, uh, GitHub Copilot and other things uh, that come with all the cloud providers, that's going to improve productivity as well. But I want to touch upon two things where truly, because your question is not Gen AI, it's AI in general. Uh, so I want to touch upon two examples again, uh, just to keep it simple. One is a terminal operator, a terminal manager at 
rail terminal manager uh, to switch 100 cars that comes to his uh, terminal to different trains and different tracks that go to different destinations. Quickly, the permutation and combination of how you could do that job runs into millions. So somebody is sitting there trying to plan all this and AI is gonna help develop algorithms that's gonna quickly within a minute tell the best way to do it. We could have done it in the past. We need an operations research PhD who would write an algorithm to find the most optimized way to do it. And we have to productionize it, but AI just really, really makes this easy. Within a minute, we are able to, and this is a real example. So we have an optimized switch list which is by OR definition not optimized because it's an AI ML based, one of the best possible options, right? Of uh, doing it using heuristic and all of that. So we will be able to come up with that decision that's gonna improve both the productivity of the terminal planner and the people who are actually switching all these cars to the tracks they need to go to. So that's one example, right? The other one is, all of the data analytics and digital twin capabilities and the algorithm capabilities that AI gives is gonna make all of our planners and the designers more effective. So it's almost like they're gonna find insights and do things because we have automated the actual work that they were doing so that they could move up on the value chain and contribute at a different level so uh, that's the productivity increase that we are looking forward to using AI. The, the point that I, or one of them that I pull from those two very good examples is just the need to think about productivity holistically. You know, yes, co-pilots are going to deliver ideally some productivity for a lot of developers, but this really is an enterprise-wide opportunity. And the, the opportunity and the challenge, I suppose, is picking where to deploy that and, and at the right time. Um, but so many opportunities beyond just the technology organization. Uh, Stephen, that reminds me, the second part of your question, how do we experiment? How do we prioritize? Uh, I have a simple uh, matrix of technical feasibility and timing of how quickly or how far, how, what's the complexity involved in doing it, which is the payback. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if the payback is going to be very high, we would like to take more difficult challenges. And so... In that matrix, you plot all the opportunities and depending on your business sponsor's interest, you could pick which ones you want to go after. Yep. That value feasibility matrix is, is uh, something we're starting to see a lot more of um, and, and something that is certainly helping a lot of organizations as they, they determine which things to chase. Uh, as we start to wrap up here, uh, Unir, I want to turn it back to you. Uh, one of the things on many CIOs' minds and is, is that developer productivity piece. Yes, we're looking really holistically at all of the change that we can drive across the organization, but especially as we you know, get inundated with all of the ads from the different co-pilots around there, one of the big questions is always, well, what kind of productivity is it really going to deliver and over what time frame, and how do we start to think about that? Um, and what does that then mean for how we recruit people and how we think about our talent strategy? Um, so I'd love to dig into that a little bit more with you. Um, how have you worked to create that kind of optimized experience for developers? And how do you see the, the new tools that are coming out, um, both enhancing that experience, but also starting to drive some of the, the ROI that we've talked about today? 
Sure. Yeah. So from a developer community, there's o- there's always a healthy, sometimes unhealthy tension between what the developers want to be able to do and the capabilities that we'd like to have and the cybersecurity or regulatory environment that, that we operate within. Um, so the developers want to try the latest and greatest. They want admin access. They want to be able to try everything. Uh, but all of those things come with risk. Um, and an organization like TransUnion that is heavily regulated around the, around the world, cybersecurity um, is uh, uh, of paramount concern. So how do we enable the developers in a way that balances those two? So how do we attract, retain the best talent, uh, and provide them a state-of-the-art environment that removes friction and allows them to do what they do, but they do it in a secure way? So we've done some, what I would consider, more lower level improvements, um, BYOD, improving Mac support, uh, removing some friction points with networking and VPN so that the developers can pick the tools that they want that can work in the manner that they want, but also recognizing that one size doesn't fit all, right? The, having one devel- one spec laptop for everybody doesn't, doesn't work. So having uh, persona-based developer, uh, developer laptops to improve productivity, but realistically, we're moving more towards uh, virtualization. Uh, we leverage Windows 365. Uh, we also use Microsoft DevBox uh, that allows developers to have capabilities that they can't do on a physical laptop. And that gives us that balance. Um, we've called it the TU Virtual Laptop. Um, we've created a version of it called the TU Virtual Laptop Explorer that allows developers to be able to test um, latest technologies, use generative AI, but also secure our intellectual property at the, at the same time. So we, we give them an environment where they have more rights and, and ability to do things, um, but at the same time restrict their access to the, to the IP internally so that they can prototype it, test it, explore it. Once it's at a point where they want to actually bring it into the enterprise, then going through a more formalized process to be able to use it internally. Uh, Copilot for GitHub is certainly one that we're, uh, looking to, to use and enable for our developers as well. So realistically, what we're looking at is choice. Give the developers the choice. Developers are very uh, tied and, and attached to their tools and how they want to work. Removing friction from the environment um, and then enabling the innovation while maintaining security by giving them specialized environments where they're able to experiment in that gives them all of the capabilities that they need but has the security environment necessary to be able to uh, protect our IP. Excellent. You, you've captured what I think is on the minds of a lot of CIOs today is how do we balance the opportunities for innovation with uh, the necessary guardrails um, and really turn the IT, the IT organization into an empowering one across the enterprise. Uh, with the with the last minute that we've had, I'd love to just turn it very quickly to both of you, maybe you know 30 seconds per person. Any advice that you would give to the folks in the audience with us today who are looking to embark on their own digital employee experience transformation? Uh, Muru, maybe I can start with you. Yeah, I think all the leaders in this call probably are already well on their journey for doing this. So uh, one, I wanna recognize that. And of course, think about the digital transformation holistically uh, from modernization, the user experience, but more importantly, automation and decision assists. Uh, that's going to significantly improve the efficiency uh, and quality of life for the consumers because you're doing your uh, part of the operations very efficiently, right? So uh, that's that's my few words. So, thank you. 
Yeah, I think just to build on what Maru said, I, I would say that uh, my advice is to partner with the right uh, executives. HR certainly is very focused on employee experience and technology is an underpinning of that. Digital employee experience is a component of that. So HR, but then also the, the, the product teams where that technology will have the most impact, right? So making sure that it's a top-down supported from the enterprise, clear articulation of what the business value is for that investment. Very well said by you both. Uh, well, thank you so much for a great conversation, Munir and Muru. Really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.